I'm so glad to be in church tonight. I'm enjoying the spirit that I feel here. I just think there are probably some churches tonight where we might go and we not feel this spirit that we have right here. But I don't take this for granted. I've been in some services where it wasn't quite this warm and uh, God wasn't moving like this. And um, I appreciate that. But uh, everyone, you can you can tell we're all um, pinch hitting tonight. Pastor is away, but um, we're here and we're going to do uh, what we've been asked to do. So thank you for being patient with us. I'm just glad to be a part of LifePoint, um, and I'm glad that each of you are. And you know, as I was as I was thinking uh, about taking the stage here just a moment ago, I looked around uh, and, and I felt a, a warm warmness in my heart. And I was going to tell you how much I appreciate you being here. And as I looked around, I said, wow, with very few exceptions, almost all of you have come since I came to LifePoint. And most of you know the story of the Butler family, but <coughs> we actually <coughs> moved to this area of town and uh, was looking around at, at, at going to churches. And this was our first stop, and we were planning on making three or four other stops. And we just happened in on a Sunday morning, and we felt the, the power. And we saw some people really worshiping, and we felt some stuff, and we never went to on to our second stop. We just stayed here, and that's been about seven years ago. But almost every one of you, with very few exceptions, have come um, since that time. And I'll just tell you, okay, uh, they're telling me that I've messed up already. So um, Sister Valerie is ready to uh, take the junior high kids and uh, teach them. You almost were having to be stuck with me for a while. But I was just reflecting <coughs> on how many of you have come since that time. And I'll just tell you, it wasn't nearly as fun before you got here. And I can go around this room and I see the valuable parts that each of you play uh, in this church. And I'm just telling you. This church would not be what it is without you, and I appreciate every one of you. Drew is, is one of our newer members right here, but Drew is sitting right on the front pew. Drew and I talk about the Bible after every service, and uh, each one of you adds so much to life points. So I appreciate you being here. I appreciate the opportunity to, to, to be with you. And I'm going to do my best to, um, to talk to you just a little bit tonight, maybe um, share a Bible story with you, and hopefully inspire you a little bit to um to move ahead in your walk with god i'm so sorry that brother williams actually had to return to florida is he an amazing speaker or what wow and i don't think it gets much better than that and donovan has to be away tonight but i'm going to do my best to to speak to you um I guess a couple of my favorite Bible characters are Moses and Paul, and both of them are uh, they're from different ends of the Bible, and um, maybe for different reasons they uh, interest me, and I didn't actually just set out to, to put this little discussion together in that manner, but it so happens that something that God's been talking to me about, and when I put it all together, who did I find here except Moses and Paul in my, in my scripture tonight, but we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Moses, um, and he's a very interesting character, you know, and, and I, I'll try to pull up some pictures of Moses, like I didn't quite get that done, but uh, he's not like a really flashy character, 
Um, so it's not something that he's, he's not just the most flamboyant and charismatic character you've seen. So that's not what attracted me to him. But I guess you, you ladies that have taught so much in the classes, Sister Cynthia and Miss Julie, you, you all do a great job teaching. But you talk about Moses so many times. And my teachers taught me about Moses. And this just became part of my life. But as I was experiencing some things in my walk, um, I was asking God some questions. And I said, well, is this right? And so I immediately went to the scriptures in my mind and I started reflecting. I said, it is right. I remember I saw these things. Moses experienced all these things. It is right. So I hope you'll be patient with me tonight just for a few minutes. And I want to try to share a few of those things with you. But our uh, discussion tonight begins in Exodus uh, chapter three, actually. And uh, at verse seven, and I, I want to read just a few verses here. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. God is concerned about the Hebrews, his children, being oppressed by the Egyptians. And in verse 10, he says, Come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh. God is talking to Moses right here. We just kind of jumped in in the middle of this chapter. He says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. <coughs> now, to put this in perspective, God is calling out this man, Moses, to do a, a pretty heavy task. His people, the, the people of Israel, the Hebrews were being oppressed. So if I try to put that in perspective, uh, maybe in our life in 2017. So just say, like, for example, if a country maybe like North Korea was uh, harassing the United States and our president wanted to select somebody to go and deal with him, uh, that'd be a pretty heavy task. That's kind of what God was doing to Moses right here. Or maybe if the Syrians and Assad was causing some problems around the world and we wanted to select somebody to go deal with them, uh, we would expect our president to pick somebody who could really go and take it to them. So God called out to Moses. Uh, and, and interestingly here, the very next verse after God calls out Moses in verse 11, he says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I? that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Wow. Can you imagine if the president chose someone to go bring it to Kim Jong-un or Assad and they said, oh, no, 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 who, me? Really? Moses was surprised here. Well, why was Moses surprised? That was because Moses was a sheep herder. Moses was not, he didn't think a world-class leader such that he should be going to take on Pharaoh and all the Egyptians. He's like, wow, who am I to do this? Really? But I pause there to say, and that's kind of what brought me to this topic tonight, 
so sometimes when I'm in a circumstance like that and I find the race course in front of me, it's a little bit daunting. It's pretty steep at times. It's pretty treacherous. And I find myself asking, are you sure, God? Who, who, me? So I'm asking you tonight. Uh, and, and, you know, just as I look around the room and you know me and, and I know you. Uh, but many of us have been asked to run races and to do things that we don't really want to do. And that we don't really feel like we're qualified to do. And that we'd really just rather somebody else do. You know, maybe some of you uh, have been asked to care for a family member. And you didn't really plan to do this. You know, I, I figured I planned my life all out. I, I really didn't have this on the agenda anywhere. Uh, you know, maybe you're dealing with a financial issue. And you planned, you did your best. You worked, you did everything you could. You never did really anticipate this popping up. But that's the race that you've been asked to run right now. Maybe you have a job that just seems impossible. Maybe you have a boss that's overbearing. Maybe you have an illness that you can't get over. Some people have had this. They've recovered. They're on their way now. Uh, we could go around the room. I dare say that every one of us have something that we'd been asked to deal with that we really weren't prepared for and we really didn't volunteer for. But God called us out to deal with this today. And just like he called Moses out, even though we're surprised and we say, wow, you know, God, if you, if, if President Trump wanted to send somebody to go deal with another country, I would expect him to do something like choosing Rex Tillerson, who he did, who is the CEO of Exxon. He called one of the main leaders who's really learned and who's really up to it. So, you know, if God really was concerned about his children, the Hebrews here, and he wanted someone to deliver them from the Egyptians, I would think, wow, that's easy. He's going to pick the smartest man in the world. He's going to pick somebody who's overqualified. He's going to pick somebody who can just go over there and just with his hands in his pocket, just work this out. No, he didn't do that. He chose Moses. He went to the back of the desert and chose Moses. So why did he do that? Why does he do that to me? Why, when he has something that he wants done, does he ask me to do it? And I just gave you <coughs> some of my own observations. I don't believe God wanted Moses to lead the people away from Egypt. I believe God wanted to lead the people away from Egypt, but he, wanted, he needed to use a man to go do that. So God wanted to lead. I think the issues that you're dealing with, they don't really have to do with solving that problem. I don't really think God's struggling. The family member you're taking care of, the, the problem you have on your job, the, the issue with your career, the issue with your finances, it's not really hard for God. He can snap his fingers and take care of that. This is not about God having trouble solving the problem. This is about God wanting to work with me, about him wanting to be my friend, and about him including me in his plan. So tonight as we, as we continue here, I just want you to, to put this in perspective. You have a race in front of you. You've been asked to run this race. It may seem like it's impossible. It may seem like it's hard. It may seem like you really can't do it. I'm just here to tell you tonight. I'm going to go ahead and give you my punchline. You can run this race. 
As a matter of fact, that's what I have entitled this little presentation, Run Your Race. You don't need to worry about running mine. You don't need to run somebody else's. There's nobody going to come and run yours for you. God assigned, he signed you up for that race because he wants you to run it. And he knew you were qualified. You might think you're not the most qualified to do it. He fully equipped you and prepared you to run this race that is before you. So looking back at Moses, why was Moses surprised? Well, Moses, he thought he knew what his life was um, about. He knew what it, where his life was going. Probably no different than us. Probably at various points along the way, you said, oh, wow, I have this figured out. I can see I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go there, and God's going to lead me there, and I'll be there. It don't really work out that way sometimes. But Moses thought that. So in, in looking at some of Moses' life up to this point in time, in Exodus 1, uh, the Hebrews were obviously being harassed zealously by the Egyptians. And after uh, they had been harassed so much, it got to the point where Pharaoh uh, – when, when, the, when the Hebrews were in Egypt after Joseph had led them over there, and without going into all that backstory, the Hebrews were being blessed, and the Egyptians were not being blessed. And Pharaoh became very concerned. He said, oh, my, I'm afraid these Hebrews are going to become too powerful, and they're going to over, overtake us. We've got to do something about this. So in, in Exodus 1 in chapter uh, verse 22 it came to the point where Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So Pharaoh was getting pretty drastic. He said, I don't even want any more Hebrews around here. Matter of fact, when they're born, take them out. So this is what led Moses to the point where we talked about. In Exodus 1, 22, Pharaoh said, Kill every son that is born. In Exodus 2 and verse 2, uh, Moses' mother actually hid him in a house, in the house for three months before she even brought him out. She didn't want to kill him, obviously. Uh, and so she was doing whatever she could. She hid him in the house for three months. Then she had to bring him out. You all know this story. I bet some of these nice ladies taught it to you in Sunday school where they brought Moses out then and they put him in a little ark, a little boat, and <coughs> along the way, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> His sister was out there to watch after him from a distance. And while his sister was watching, along came some lady and saw him floating in this little ark. And who was it except Pharaoh's daughter? And so Pharaoh's daughter said, oh, he's so sweet. Get him out of there. And the sister said, oh, do you want me to get somebody to take care of him? She said, yes, do that, please. And his sister went to get his mom. And his mom came and took care of him. And Pharaoh's daughter paid the mom to take care of him. So these are some of the things that had happened in Moses' life up till this point. Moses like, wow, and looking back on this stuff, he said, I'm blessed. God, he, he wanted me to have a, a, a good life. You know, I could have been killed over there when I was first born. He's taking care of me. He, he's got the way figured out for me. Moses certainly had grounds to think that his life wasn't really going to be a struggle, and it was going to be pretty easy. So actually, Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh with his daughter, and then some things happened where Moses was upset uh, because he saw the, the Hebrews being taken advantage of. And so one day he had some real difficulties with one of those Egyptians and he killed that one. And Pharaoh found out about it. Pharaoh became very upset. And we see around in uh, verse 14 that Pharaoh said, get out, Moses. So Moses 
at that point in time, he checked up. He said, I should get out of Egypt right away because I, even though I survived this, Pharaoh's upset with me. I need to get out of here. So in verse uh, 15, Exodus 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 15, now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. Now, this is just how good Moses' life was going before God called him to run this very difficult race. He was in that country being blessed. All of a sudden, Pharaoh, the leader of that country, says, get out. I'm really upset with you. Get out of my country. Okay, Moses heads over to another country. He goes to Midian. And the Bible simply says in verse 15, it's pretty straightforward, to the point. He dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Well, what's the very next thing that happened in verse 16? Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and we later learned that priest's name was Jethro. And they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The short of it is, while Moses sat down at the well in Midian, Jethro's daughters came over with their flocks. Moses helped them water. And when they went back and told Jethro, their father, that they said, why are you home so early? And they said, oh, this guy came and helped us out. He said, who was it? Moses. Well, he brought Moses over. And so Moses, uh, who he was blessed again. He went to a new country, Midian. And God's blessing this man. He goes right to the top again. He's back in the house of the leader of Midian. That's Jethro this time. So what does Jethro do? And Moses was content to dwell. This is in verse uh, 21. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, Jethro. And he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter. Here he was marrying the daughter of this leader of the, of the country of Midian. So Moses lives another blessed life. Moses certainly has reason to think by now, I got this figured out. I, I, I'm blessed. Have you, ever, have you ever been in that place before? You say, oh, wow, that was cool. I've done this before. Look at here. I've got this figured out. I know how to do this now. My life's going to be easy from here on. Not so much. It doesn't last that long. <coughs> this is the place where Moses really begins to deal with God and where God calls him, where we read a moment ago. So moving on to uh, chapter 3 and uh, beginning with verse 1 there. While Moses was in Midian and he was married to, the, to Jethro's uh, daughter, he was in charge. He had control here. So now Moses kept the flock. Jethro had lots of flocks, and that was his thing. Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, and the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to thee, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. So I want to pause right there and talk about this just a little bit more. You know, I'll speak for myself. I learned this at a very young age. I learned that Moses encountered a burning bush and it didn't, it wasn't consumed. And so he stepped back, he took off his shoes, and he talked to God right there. And, you know, and just in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, that's way in the back of the desert. Okay, I got it. This is just some kind of magical deal that God put together. 
Well, not so much. You see, I don't think what the, the encounter that Moses had on this day was much different than probably the encounter that, Brian, maybe you had yesterday. You see, Moses was doing his thing. Moses was a sheep herder. He was in the desert. He was herding sheep. And bushes are a part of his everyday life. There are bushes all over the place. They catch fire sometimes. You burn them sometimes. So having a bush there, having it burning, is not really that big a deal. So I want to pause right here, and I want to focus on this, because I think we come along circumstances like this frequently. Do we recognize what's happening? Moses could have just gotten really upset right there. He could have started yelling and screaming or stomping the ground or throwing things or, you know, yelling at people. What do we do when circumstances happen? It happens that, that Moses saw one of the bush, uh, a bush that was out in the desert where he was working. Well, for you, maybe it will be something else. Jeff, maybe it's going to be some of those students you're working with. Maybe you're going to see something with them. This was an ordinary bush, but it was in an extraordinary circumstance. It's probably just going to be one of your regular students or maybe even Carla, one of her students, that's going to do something really dramatic. So what do, what do we do when that happens? Do we go call the manager? Do we go cause trouble? Do we really uh, make this a big issue? Or do we stop and do what Moses did? In, in chapter 3, verse 5, and he said, draw nigh, draw not nigh hither. This is God talking to Moses. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, and the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So I'm just, I'm showing you here where Moses was in the course of life, and he was dealing with everyday circumstances. He saw bushes every day he was in the desert. Every day he did this. This one day, something seemed a little different. Moses, he paused. He checked up. He asked God, what is going on here? So I just tell you, whatever it is, uh, I'm talking to you about running the race that God has put before you. Russell, when you're doing your job Friday and you're running the race that God has for you to run and something, it, it might be a piece of machinery, it might be a client uh, that you just the type that you work with all the time, but something's different here. It might be that God's using that to speak with you. A as I was living out my life and running my race this week, I had some very busy scheduling today. I had several depositions to take, and I was trying to spend a little time preparing this so I wouldn't be too boring to you. Uh, sorry, but, you know, so I didn't really think I could get it all done. I said, I don't have time to, to, to prepare for the deposition as much as I want to. I don't have time to study as much as I want to. But guess what? From the experience I had from reading this, I know that this is the race God wants me to run. So I may not think I'm the fastest one. I may not think I'm the best one, but I'm going to run this race. So what I do is I give it my best effort. I'm preparing for my depositions. I'm preparing to speak to you tonight. I'm praying. I know that God, when I got up this morning, I know that God's going to go with me this day, and I'm going to run this race. I'm going to finish this race that he's given me today. I don't know what's going to happen next week. I don't know what's going to happen next month, but I know he's given me favor. I know I'm going to run this race today. Wesley, you might have a deadline you got to meet by tomorrow. 
the guy says, this is it. I want phase one finished. You might not see what you can do next month. You can run your race. So I am doing all I can to run my race. I go on my way to my deposition this morning when I drive up to the attorney's office and I go in to get ready to do these four depositions. The lawyer tells me, oh, well, we're not going to be doing any depositions today because I just fired my client. This is the guy, he filed a suit for this guy who was injured, and he sued my client. And so I've been working on this case for about two years now, and when I go in, he says, no, we're not doing any depositions today because I just fired the client. And actually then I realized, oh, that guy that was standing outside your door there on the sidewalk, that's your client because he just got fired. He didn't have a lawyer. So you don't care about that. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be too dramatic, but I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter if you got three times too much on your plate. It doesn't matter if the, the hill is straight up on the race course. You're going to run over it. If you're following what God's asking you to do, and if you're following these principles, you're going to go through it. Moses, when he got called by God to run this race, uh, he really thought, well, even though I'm a sheep herder, even though you know I've been up through all this, God called me. He says I can do it. It's going to be easy now. Does this sound kind of familiar? I feel like this sometimes. It's going to be easy. i got to figure it out now. So in Exodus chapter 3, moving on over to verse 11 now, and Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel? And God starts talking to Moses about how he's going to do this. So in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2, God's trying to tell Moses, don't worry about it. I ask you to run the race. I'm going to be with you. You're going to run the race. <coughs> Moses said, how are we going to do it? He said, well, what do you have in your hand? He said, I have a rod in my hand, the same thing I have all the time while I'm herding sheep. He said, well, throw it down. He threw it down and it became a serpent. And you know this story. And he said, pick it back up. And he picked it back up and it became a rod again. But I think what I take from this is God uses the things that are in our hands. He uses the things that are all around us to get us where we need to go and to do what he wants us to do. And, you know, Moses, uh, he wanted to confirm. Sometimes when God asked me to do some really hard things on my journey, I say, well, wait a minute now. I want to make sure I heard you good. Can, can you give me a little confirmation there? It's kind of what Moses was doing right here. And so he threw his rod down. It became a serpent. And, and God said, well, pick it back up. And it came a rod uh, again. But he said, well, that was good. But, you know, really? And God said, yeah, really. And so in verse 6, um, he said, stick your hand in your jacket. And he stuck his hand in his jacket. It became leprous. He said, pull it out. He pulled it back out again, and it was clean that time. So Moses is starting to say, okay, I believe uh, God will go with me. I believe maybe I can do this. Maybe God really is going to help me deliver his people from Egypt. I believe I'll keep going. So, but then he thought about it some more, and he said, really, I don't know if I can do this. And so in chapter 4 and verse 10, Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? He said, Don't tell me that you don't think you're articulate, that you are not a good speaker. I'm the one that gave you that mouth. And I'm the one that taught you what you're doing. So, sorry if this is too elementary for some of you, but it means a lot to me. 
It doesn't matter if I think I'm too short. It doesn't matter if I think I'm too heavy or I'm not handsome or I'm not smart. None of that really matters. You know, if, I, if I'm not happy with that, then I'm really just giving a big insult to God because he spent so much time making me. He said he was thinking about me before I was even born. He spent so much time preparing for me and planning for me and making me. And for me to think that I'm not good, I'm not, I'm not being nice to God. This is his work of art right here. I'm not going to do that. Now, therefore, go and I will call. I, I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And Moses still didn't get it. I'm kind of like this sometimes. I hate to admit it. And he said, oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord, this is verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. So you all know this story. God sent Aaron to go and speak for Moses. You know, I wonder how much blessing, how much uh, attention, how much success Moses missed out on because he gave away his opportunity. You know, it, it's amazing. I, 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 my wife and I, I, I talk to my wife about this often. But it's amazing. You know, God, I think he's leading me to do something. I see all kind of signs around that this is where he wants me to go. And I just have to have faith to do that. But guess what? I don't want to trust God. And it's easier for me just to look at some person or some circumstance. And I want to trust this person. I want to trust this company. I want to trust my boss. I want to trust my friend. Moses wanted to touch, he wanted to trust his brother, Aaron. Aaron knew how to speak. I never saw anywhere in the scripture where Aaron knew how to do anything else. But he's the front man. He does the speaking and he gets all the attention. And so when they go to deliver the message, it's Aaron doing it. I don't want to trust someone other than God. Help me. I, I'm preaching to myself here. You can probably tell. But I tell my wife this all the time. For some reason, I just wonder. So I want, I want some person to help me along the way. I want to see the next step. I don't want to see this big launch that sends me out there where I just have to trust God. I need somebody else. Shame on me. Shame on me. I don't trust who I am that God made. And I don't trust just when I hear him. I have to use somebody else to do some of the work for me. So hastening along here, we're out of time. Um, this mission that Moses was called, the race that he was asked to run, it was never easy. And, and most of you know this. I'm just going to hit the high points. But God said, okay, go out, run the race, Moses. So here he takes off. He's convinced that God's going to be with him now. And so he takes off. In Exodus chapter 7, uh, verse 8, God says, okay, go on over there to Pharaoh and do your uh, ride trick with the serpent. So he goes and does that, and Pharaoh's not impressed. You know, saving all the story, after the end of that story, Pharaoh's just as, he's just as determined as he was ever. In verse 14, God said, okay, we'll go tell him I'm going to turn all the water to blood. And he did that, and Pharaoh wasn't impressed by that. And then he said, okay, well, tell him I'm going to send a plague of frogs. And he did that, and Pharaoh still didn't care. And then he said, I'm going to send a plague of lice. And then he said, I'm going to send a swarm of flies. And then he said, all the Egyptian cattle 
are going to die. And then he said, I'm going to send a plague of boils and hail and fire and locusts and darkness and on and on and on. And every time, this, this is kind of the way it works with me. God leads me uh, in, in the area, and he says, look at this right here. And I think, wow, I have this figured out. I know exactly how this is going to work. I've, I've seen this before, so I already know what's going to happen. And I just head in that direction, and it doesn't happen. God meant for me to go there, but he don't want to give me too much leash. He don't want to give me too much rope and let me go too far on my own. Again, that's why God chose Moses, because God wanted to bring the children out of Israel, out of Egypt. He didn't want Moses to do it. So that's what he does with me every day. So at the end of all this uh, exciting verse that we have here in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 30. <coughs> After all this time, Moses did everything that God asked him to do. He didn't see all the full success that he really hoped for, but he kept running his race. After, I think there's 10 or 11 of these plagues right here. Some of you scholars can help me out with that. But after number six, he didn't say, I'm not doing it anymore, God. No, get somebody else. I'm not doing it. No, he kept doing it. After number 10, he didn't say, that's all. That's, that's my limit, God. I'm not going any for Tenth. How many times have you, how many times have you tried to, to deal with your circumstance? You know, did you, did you quit before? Did you walk off and then come back the next day? Uh, Sometimes I take some pauses, and then after I reflect and pray and rest a little bit, I start going again. I think that's what we see right here. But hastening to Exodus 12 and verse 30. And it came to, uh, start with 29. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. This is where God said, if, if Pharaoh doesn't do what you ask him to do this time, I'm going to slay the firstborn of every household. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. Now, God has power. When he sends you out to do a mission, when he sends you out to run the race, I'm telling you, you're going to win. You may take some detours. It may take longer than you thought. There may be some obstacles along the way, but you're going to win. Trust me. Not only the firstborn of all the other Egyptians, the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne. When God tells you you're going to win, you're going to win. Verse 30, and Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Picture that in Baton Rouge. Every house is awake in the middle of the night. Nobody's sleeping. Nobody's watching TV. Nobody's goofing off. Everybody is up and focused. This is a pretty big event that Moses led the people to right here. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night. He had been running and ignoring these guys. Pharaoh said, please get them in here now. And said, rise up and get you forth from amongst my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. He's encouraging these people to go praise the Lord now. I believe God has, has gotten his attention. Also, take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Wow, he's really getting the picture now. He said, not only take you do exactly what you wanted to do, but bless me on your way out. I think Moses has run this part of his race. I think he has done exactly what God wanted him to do. 
I love verse 33. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. Not only did they say, get out, take everything you have, but please get out fast. Please get away from here fast. In closing tonight, uh, I'm so sorry I'm not eloquent like Pastor. Doesn't he do a great job? I talked to my son and, and my wife. It seems like every sermon that we hear here, somebody must have spent days preparing this stuff. Maybe it just goes right to me, but I'm so thankful for these sermons we hear. But I hope you have seen tonight uh, a man who thought he was not qualified. And by most of our object, I mean, I have to confess, from looking at Moses, what I see, what I hear, what I read about him, I, I tend to agree with him. He probably wasn't qualified. But he ran the race that God asked him to run. If you'd pardon me just for one uh, personal reference, I want you to leave here with something that, that you can think about next week. And when you get up on a, on a Thursday morning and it seems really tough and you don't know whether you want to keep going or not, I want you to remember, yeah, I'm keeping going. God called me out. He called me to run this race. I'm going to run this race. I do a little bit of running. My son got me into running, and I do a few triathlons. And about two weeks ago, we were doing a, a triathlon. And, and for most of you that know, we in a triathlon, you swim, then you bike, and then you run. So I got my son to doing this with me. My wife is a lot more sympathetic when I have my son-in-law out there and my son doing this stuff with me. But at any rate, the short of it is when, when you're doing a triathlon and you're riding your bicycle on the road, you need to go as fast as you can. This is a competition. I, I don't win the competition. Don't believe me. But you need a bike that's as fast as you can get. Now, we have one road bike that's pretty fast. And my son-in-law, this is his first triathlon he was doing two weeks ago. So I said, wow, I'm just here to exercise and to try to live a little bit longer. So I let him have the road bike. He cares about his time. I don't really care about my time. So we have a mountain bike that's much slower like 10 miles per hour versus 16 miles per hour. So I give him the road bike. So short of it is we do the swim part of this event. Then we do the, the, the biking part of this event. And it just so happens, if most of you remember, about two weeks ago, uh, I think it was uh, sustained winds on a Saturday. It was sustained winds of 20-something miles per hour with gusts. I'm sure it was up to 40. So here we go. We get out of the, the water, and we're on the bike, and we're going down the road. And so I'm on the mountain bike. This, this bike's made for climbing mountains. It's not made for riding in triathlons. But anyway, I'm going slow, and I'm fighting wind. And so a couple people go past me, and I keep running my race. And a couple more people go past me. And then a lot of people go past me. And then almost everybody's going past me. And I'm saying, this is not very good. And then not very many people pass me at all. And I said, oh, my. And I look back, and there weren't many people back there to pass me. And so at that point in time, I, I went through quite a series of thoughts and analysis here. And I said, wow, I wonder what if I finished last in this triathlon? That wouldn't be good. And then I said, wow, I'm a pretty good runner, but these people. So I was analyzing what happens if what, what would really happen if I finished last in this race? And one one thought that came to my mind was, wow, I should quit. If you finish last, you need to give it up. 
And so I was thinking about that for a while. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to see. I'm going to see how I can do on the run, but maybe I should give it up. And then I kept thinking about that. I said, oh, my God, what did they call the person that finishes last in a triathlon? And I thought about that for a while. And then the further I went, the more I was kind of getting my, my temper up then. And I said, guess what? If I finish this race today, there's no way I'm going to quit. That means, I'm a, that means I can do this. If I finish this race, there's no way I'm quitting. I'm telling you today, if God asked you to do this, if he, put you, if he assigned you up for this race, he meant for you to finish this race. I finished that race. And along the way, I realized, guess what? I'm a triathlete. And just for the record, I didn't finish last. Out of 240 people, I believe I was like 159. But this was a huge opening for me. But I just tell you that just to say, you know, I, and I'm, I'm bearing my soul here. I'm trying to be a little bit funny, uh, emphasis on a little bit. But, you know, sometimes when you're going through life, it kind of feels like that. You know, it feels like a lot of people passing you. And it feels like you may be last or it feels like you might not finish. I'm telling you, God signed you up for this race. He meant for you to finish this race. And you stick with it, and that, that's what he has planned for you, I promise you. I, I have to go now for my last scripture to my other favorite Bible character. So we go to Second um, Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. This is Paul, and he says, this is close to the end of his ministry, and he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I think that's scriptures for you. You know, as much as I would want to shout right now, and, and, and I, I, I probably am going to, but, you know, if we analyze this scripture, it, most of us just know Paul as being a really dynamic individual. I would picture him being kind of like Brother Mike Williams or maybe like Donovan. It's a really powerful speaker and, and doer. But, you know, if I want to be honest, and Paul was probably just like me. He probably experienced things just like me. Look what the man said. Uh, For I am now ready to be offered the time of my departure. I have fought a good fight. He's saying this like there was a question about it. Why did he have to say I fought a good fight? He said, I have finished my course. Well, really, he's, he's acting like there was a question of whether he was going to finish the course. He acts like on quite a few days, he didn't know if he was going to make the full course. And he says, I have kept the faith. There were days when he didn't think he could keep the faith. There were days when it was all he could do to keep going. I think I'm going overtime and repeating. I love you all. God has called us out to do some great things. I think this has a lot of application in our spiritual walk, obviously. We didn't think, Donovan didn't think when he started this church that he could have 180 people here, 200 people in the house at one time, and that we have to have all these chairs, and that we would own property across from Walmart and all these places. But we did it. He did it. We just did this one, and you are doing it. Thank you for all of you, all, all that you do. We're doing it one day at a time. We don't have to worry about next year. We got to worry about this week. We got to worry about this Sunday. 
in your everyday life, this applies just as much. You don't have to worry about 2018. God's got a plan for that. You worry about 2017. You worry about this week, and you do what God's called you to do, and you're going to be victorious.